Welcome to the Educator Ignited Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Palmas, a wife, mom, educator, and learner addict. I am obsessed with all things improving education, and this podcast is all about proving what's possible in education. If you are hungry to learn about and be inspired by ways in which educators are doing things out of the box, altering the status quo, then you are tuning into the right podcast. We talk to guests who are trailblazers on a transformative journey to change the educational system, extending their impact beyond the boundaries of the classroom. Educators Ignited embodies our shared commitment to igniting a fire within each and every educator, empowering our education community to become catalysts for change. Through the Educators Ignited podcast, we will continue to bring you inspiring stories, thought-provoking discussions, and practical strategies to empower educators worldwide Together, we will light the way for a new era of education where students thrive and teachers are catalysts for innovation. Welcome back to the Educators Ignited podcast. We're going to discuss five concrete strategies on how to coach teachers through resistance. If any of you are like me, you might be experiencing a teacher who might seem a little less excited about coaching. Those people exist. I know I have coached many. I am coaching coaches who are experiencing this, and it just seems to be a very top of mind topic that I thought would be very relevant for the podcast. As educators, we often encounter resistance to coaching because of three primary reasons. And what I wanna do is anchor today's episode in the concept or theory of self-determination. The theory posits that goal-directed behaviors are driven by three innate psychological needs. We need autonomy, that is the need to feel ownership of one's behavior. We need to feel competence, that's the need to produce desired outcomes and to experience mastery. And we need relatedness, the need to feel connected to others. This exists in almost all human beings. We've got autonomy plus competence plus relatedness equals motivation. And when we as coaches can tap into these three things, then we can help the teacher overcome the resistance. Or if you were a teacher listening to this and you're finding yourself disconnected from a coaching experience or resistant or hesitant, there is a strong likelihood that one of these three components is missing. And for those of us who are struggling in our jobs and one thing after another just isn't going right, it might just be the competence. And for those of us who are new teachers listening to this, that very well could be the competence piece. Or for new teachers, autonomy, because we are given everything at this point, generally. Competence, well, we're learning a new skill, which is hard to master. And relatedness, if we are brand new to teaching, we're coming into a school and just starting to explore relationships with these colleagues. As we think about resistance, I want to keep coming back to this self-determination. And what you're going to see is I am going to have this episode segments that align to one of those three factors or behaviors within motivation and talk through strategies to really embrace it. The first part in order to really help teachers overcome resistance in coaching is to build trust and rapport. That's the relatedness piece. And in order to build trust and rapport, we have to be thinking about who this person across from us is. 
We have to establish a strong supportive relationship. We have to make sure that person sees us as human. And Brene Brown puts it in a really powerful way, but one of the best ways to show that we're human is to expose a rumbling vulnerability, meaning that we are just as human as them. There's so much to say about vulnerability. And so when we can get real, and so the person across from us recognizes that we are not perfect, but we are skilled, we are competent, that is going to help build trust. But other ways to build trust, we have to be active listeners. It's the inclination of so many of us to be like, here's my story of my first year and here's all the things I'm going through. Or for those of us who have been coaching for a long time, it's the same old story. You don't get it. You don't understand. You didn't have this student or that student or you're ne- you never went through what I went through. And we as coaches are like, eh, we kind of did. But when we say, but I did, that then puts the person on the defense, the person we're coaching, because what they want is for you to understand what they are going through. Show them that you value their opinions by actively listening to their concerns. Ask open-ended questions to encourage dialogue. And one thing that I really like to do and start with is appreciative inquiry interviews. So it's not just that we are listening to their concerns, but we are helping to support the foundation of this relationship by understanding their strengths. Appreciative inquiry is about understanding the strengths of the person across from us. Now, when we think about building trust and rapport, we have to have an element of empathy. I know that I have been coached by people who don't have empathy and I have never gotten past this point and have had complete resistance to being coached. And I'm sure that there are people who have been coached by me where I'm like, you don't understand you're a first year teacher. You haven't been through this, trust me, trust me. And they're like, just let me have this feeling. We as coaches have to supply empathy. I think all of us know that. And most of us do understand the teacher's perspective and can empathize with their feelings because most of us did have a tough first year or had an experience. And so when we can put ourselves in their shoes, when we can understand what they're going through, it's all the more power. But I'm going to just say something to this. There is a difference between being empathetic and jumping into the box with the person. So if they are forlorn and just completely depressed and completely down on their luck and are just in full of concern and full of negativity, we can empathize by saying, how does that make you feel if they haven't expressed the emotion? That's got to be tough. How do you work through these things? That's empathy, right? The other part of empathy that I don't want us to get into is jumping in the the box with them where then we are taking all of the emotion they are feeling and now we are not detaching ourselves from it. So yes, we are actively listening and we are really fully presently understanding what they are feeling. But the second we jump in that box and start being negative with them, start pushing them to not allowing them space to just process, but then like we're processing it for them. That's not empathy. So be thinking about that. In addition to building trust and rapport, feedback is huge. I have a coach who actually is still in the classroom part-time. And before she goes in and really gives a lot of feedback, she has all of her teachers rate them on the rubric we use. So all the teachers she's coaching, she says, here's the rubric. I want you to rate me on this specific part, and I want you to give me feedback. 
what she is doing is generating a trusting relationship. So if you're going to model for a teacher, then you allow them to give you feedback and you teach them how to give you critical feedback. And if they can't give you critical feedback, you model that critique for them. What could you have done differently? And then we start getting in the process and habit of giving that feedback in a way that is supportive, that is going to be constructive. So that is the relatedness piece. And there are other things that you can do But as you're building that rapport, you should be doing activities, like I said, the appreciative inquiry or a core values exercise or a historical knowledge exercise or help me understand your name or why you became a teacher. That's part of the appreciative inquiry. But build that foundation before you ever step foot in their classroom. Understand what they know they are bringing to the table. And then throughout the relationship, Make sure that you are providing active listening, you are empathizing, and you are providing feedback. Brene Brown says clear is kind. Be clear and honor them, grace them, present them, gift them with feedback. The second piece to helping teachers and or anyone who is being coached and is resistant to coaching is understanding the resistance. We can't get through to the resistance if we actually don't understand why they are resistant. And a big part of the resistance is the fact that our teachers, our coaches, are living in a place of fear. And so you might see a teacher arguing or defending or refusing to engage or any sort of behavior that is showcasing that they are resistant. But underneath that resistance is generally fear. So the first thing is to understand the resistance. And I will say that more often than not, the resistance is fear. Bright Morning, a.k.a. Elena, talks through this a bit and how to respond to the fear, how to engage with the fear. And when you perceive resistance in one of your teachers, we need to understand which fear is activated, which of their core human need feels threatened. It could be the autonomy. You as a coach are always just telling me what to do. It could be the competence. I actually don't feel good at this every time you come in because it shows me again and again that I'm doing something bad. It could be relatedness. At one point in their life, they had a bad experience with coaching and never felt good about themselves. Therefore, was completely demotivated. But we need to explore the fear. We have to understand how and where their fear manifests. And once we explore the fear and can understand it, then you as the coach need to tap into your heart, your care, your regard, your love for the person sitting across from you. And you need to let them do that too for themselves. You need to make sure that not only have you tapped in some time, a time that you felt afraid, but they need to tap into that as well. And activating the opportunity to say, how have you overcome that? How are you proud of yourself for that? But we've got to explore it. And then we've got to tap into our love. Now, in that you'll notice I've been asking questions. 
we need to make sure that, again, we're going back to the empathy place, but we have to make sure that we are asking questions that allows the teacher in front of us to also acknowledge what's going on. What are the feelings when you're experiencing that fear? What could this look like if you overcame that fear? These are key components to exploring the resistance, but if we do not take time to explore the fear, the resistance, which like I said is typically the fear, we are not going to get to the root of it. We are going to fiddle our thumbs and keep moving forward and continue to meet dead ends. Likely, the fear lives in one of the three components of self-determination, autonomy, competence, and relatedness. If you do not set forth on a journey to explore this resistance, which usually is manifested in or manifests in fear, what is that fear? We have to explore that. Number three is then a co-creating goals. So if we have now worked to build a relationship, we've explored the fear, now we can start saying, so what do you want to do? And key to this means that we have to give them ownership of the process. Yes, we as coaches probably do know a lot and know what the teacher works on. And there are ways that we can help them navigate through the right thing. But if they don't have autonomy, I guarantee they're not going to be fully motivated. Make sure they have some ownership of the process and it aligns to their professional development with their needs and interests. So how do we do this? Yes, we goal set. We sit down with the teacher and discuss their professional goals. We have an idea as to why they came into teaching. Now let's get even more clear about what they want to be true for this year, for five years from now. Then we start creating an action plan. Create a step-by-step plan to achieve these goals. Best practice is to also align this to your district objectives or rubrics. And so in the case of our teachers at my school, we really make sure that those goals are reflected on our rubric so we are having a common language. We make sure that what they are saying they want to be true, we can find alignment in that. And then we're able to build actionable steps to get there. Those two things, co-creating goals and an action plan, is going to help you be a better coach and help them through the resistance because now they have something they have set course for and to achieve. The next section is actual professional development opportunities. I will say that we can actually be more encompassing. I feel like professional development is is put in a hole. And when we think about professional development opportunities, I want this to not be limited to us going to a session and listening to a speaker present to us. I want us to think about it in terms of different ways in which we can engage the learner to become more competent. So we have the autonomy by letting them build and craft some of these goals and action plans. We're co-creating it with them, but we're giving them a say. Now let's give them a say on how they want to build their skills in this, their competence through learning opportunities. And if they don't know what those learning opportunities are, we can provide them options, which is huge in getting them to be on the side of coaching and excited about it. Yes, there are tailored workshops. So a teacher might be working on engagement. Yeah, we might say, hey, have you ever heard of Kagan? Let's see if we can get you to a Kagan workshop. 
You might do peer learning. You know what? There are a couple people who do this really well in the school. What would you think about actually going and observing them together and debriefing? It might be, I love this, small group learning during your PLCs. So most of the time, PLCs are for some data conversations or planning. No, professional learning communities. So I actually have a coach right now who is seeing a general trend in classrooms. And it's, you know what? To maximize my time and to maximize theirs, I am going to shift for the next few weeks my coaching cadence. And my coaching is going to be with all of my ELA teachers on these specific skills. And this is going to be for the next four weeks. And so no longer am I doing one-on-one coaching. We are peer learning and we are collaborative and we are focused on one skill together. So not only is this providing competence and skill-based, now it's also getting to the crux of relatedness because other people are going through the motions with this person. There are other ways in which we can go about professional development opportunities or professional learning opportunities. Those are two examples or three examples, but what I love about any coaching opportunities, we think outside the box. And if you can tap into their agency, their autonomy and what they wanna do, to enhance their competence by giving them a learning experience that allows them to connect with colleagues and or peers, you've got a lot of motivation that's happening there. The next part of this is then continuous feedback and reflection. And a lot of times it's the feedback that is the resistance. There is a fear of getting feedback, especially for my perfectionists out there. I used to have that fear too. How I overcame it, I don't even know. I'd have to give some reflection to that and then come back on. I haven't thought about it much. I really do enjoy getting feedback. It has to be a certain person in a certain way. I'm not going to lie. But part of the feedback is I think I learned to associate it with reflection. And so continuous feedback and reflection are vital to address resistance effectively. We need to have a feedback loop. So establish a regular feedback loop where teachers can share their progress and challenges. So they're not only reflecting, but you get to provide them feedback on these reflections and make sure that you're celebrating successes. The reflective practice encourage teachers to reflect on their teaching practices regularly. How are you as a coach helping to infuse the reflection? Be that in celebration, be that in a data analysis. One thing that we have started at our school is a running record. Again, there's so many tools out there. This was just a a tool that we decided to start using to really support how our teachers are seeing data to infuse more authentic reflection on their part versus us telling them what they need to do. It's what is this running record or what is this video making you think you need to do? Nine times out of 10, the teacher's spot on. So make sure that you have that continuous feedback and reflection loop in your coaching. This is going to help build that reflective muscle, which actually helps people overcome fear. The final section that I do wanna just share as we are thinking about helping teachers overcome resistance to coaching is modeling and demonstrating. So sometimes, and this goes back to the reflection, but sometimes, A person just needs to see the bar of excellence. How we were taught doesn't necessarily indicate best practices. And so when we can model lessons for people, when we can demonstrate lessons for people and they can actually see a bar of excellence, that is helping them with their competence. It also 
should be paired with a highly reflective model and observation tool that allows them to center and focus that observation, but model a lesson for them. Showcase success stories. Give them a book of things that have worked and then show them what you've done. Practice in your coaching sessions. I, I co-teach a lot, I model teach a lot, and one thing that I'm finding is I have to really roll up my sleeves for some classes. I have to pull up all my tools, and I think it's a relief for teachers to see how hard I might have to work. But I also want them to see that just because I worked so hard, I got a class of seventh graders, 33 of them, 100% of them to do what they need to be doing, which is learning. I want to sandwich this again. I, I named essentially six strategies to help teachers overcome resistance to coaching, all encompassed with the self-determination theory. So in order to provide autonomy, competence, relatedness, and get to that motivation place, it's important to build trust and rapport. We have to understand and dig deep into the resistance. We should be co-creating goals and action plans with our teachers so they have something to hold them accountable to, and they need to have voice in that. Provide them opportunities to learn, and it's okay for them to learn outside of you as the coach. Make sure that you have a continuous feedback and reflection loop, and make sure you're modeling and demonstrating what excellence looks like. Coaching teachers through resistance is such a challenging task, but it is crucial. I have seen what happens when a teacher can be coached. By following these strategies, like I said, building trust, co-creating goals, offering tailored professional learning, providing continuous feedback, modeling best practices, you can help teachers embrace change and grow in their professional journey. Remember, coaching is all about creating a supportive, collaborative environment where our teachers can feel valued and empowered. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Educators Ignited. Stay ignited and remember, keep proving what's possible in education. Wow, another episode in the books. Thank you so much for joining me today and every week on the podcast. So what are you taking away from today's episode? Let me know by heading to Instagram and either commenting on this episode's IG picture or DM me and tell me you listened to the episode and share a little nugget you received. If you like this episode and know someone who is on a journey to becoming a better teacher and educator, share this with them. And it might just be the one thing they needed to hear today. Or share this episode in your stories and tag me. All right, my friends, I will be back next week with another episode for more of what's possible in education.